0: And this is where I'd like for us to open our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah this morning, is looking at the the story of Nehemiah. We don't have time today to go into the the entire thing, but let me just set this up for you, give you an overview. In in the scriptures, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, both of them, uh, in most of our Bibles today, they're separated out in two books, but Originally, they were one, one book because it's one continuous story, Ezra and Nehemiah. And um, after Babylon had invaded and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, the Babylonians took a large number of the Israelites into captivity, into exile. And Fifty years after these Israelites had been in exile, some of them were allowed to return back to Jerusalem. And when they got back there, they were busy with the work of rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the city and rebuilding their lives, their their culture. And it was their kingdom work that they were about. And so 50 years of this, and and, uh, it's not going all that great for them. Then some more years go by, and this guy named Nehemiah, who was in service of the Persian king, Artaxerxes, he had heard that Jerusalem's walls had just completely turned to ruins. And you got to remember, this is like 50, I mean, this is, I don't know, several years after the Israelites had begun to return, some of them. And so he hears of, Nehemiah hears about this, about the city is just in still disarray. And this strikes a chord in him. And the first thing that he does is pray. I'm going to say that one more time because Seeds Church, we've committed here to not just be a church that prays, but to be a praying church. The first thing that Nehemiah does when he's struck in his heart with this feeling and this news is the first thing he does is pray. Not the second or third or the last thing. The first thing that he does is Pray. So then he prays and then he goes to the king and he gets permission and blessing from King Artaxerxes to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And Nehemiah arrives on the scene in Jerusalem and he begins this project of rebuilding the walls, but he's met with opposition. He's met with opposition from the locals, some of which were actual his people, Israelites, and others of them were foreigners. They were outside influences. And I just think about, we face opposition in our lives today. Some of the opposition that we're faced with is obvious. You look at that and you go, wow, that, that very much seems like the, our spiritual enemy is at work behind this force or this organization or this group of people. And remember, people are not our enemy, but the evil, wicked spirits Behind all those things are our enemy. And some of it is very obvious. It's very clear. But then there's other things that are in opposition to us, but they're cloaked in these distractions. In our lives, it like I said earlier, being up at camp, I didn't have the distractions of just technology, I didn't have the distractions of entertainment, of recreation, of comfort. And even of other work. I was of single mind focus while I was there. And we have been called by God to some kind of eternal kingdom work. And we are being opposed, and some of it by an enemy that is very easy to see, like that is the work of the enemy. And then others of it are these things that are just cloaked. And they don't look so much like opposition, but it certainly is distraction. Therefore, it is opposition. So, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18. And we're going to pick up here, and it says, they said, let us arise and build. So, they put their hands to the good work. Verse 19, but when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite official, so these these are foreign influences that are in the area, that are in the region, And then Geshem, the Arab, when they heard about Jerusalem rebuilding, they mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So first of all, they're like, well, are you going against the government? And it's interesting, we talked about this at camp a little bit when we looked at some of the stories of some of the martyrs, like William Tyndale, who's... Mission from the, his eternal kingdom work was to translate the scriptures from Latin into English for that every English pe- person, English speaking person, could have their own Bible and read it. But the corrupt and oppressive Church of England at the time was against him, and they were also running the government. And so, Miss Katie, who was at camp with us, asked the boys and girls, is it ever okay to not obey the government? And a lot of the boys and girls were like, no, 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 it's not okay to uh, to disobey the government. And we were like, sometimes. When your government goes against the word of God, we are true to God's word and to the king of kings, not to the king of the land. And so here, these guys Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem are trying to distract Nehemiah and saying, hey, you're going against the government. You're going against the local authorities here. But remember, Nehemiah had already been commissioned by Artaxerxes. He'd been given approval by that authority. And he'd been given approval by God. This was an eternal kingdom work. And so verse 20, Nehemiah answered them and said to them, The God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. In the face of opposition, in the face of distraction, Nehemiah remains confident in who God is and what God has called them to do. And even though Nehemiah's response to the opposition is full of faith, it's full of confidence, it doesn't mean that it was easy. This was not an easy thing that the Lord had burdened his heart with. It was not an easy thing that he had been commissioned to lead. He was full of confidence, he was full of faith, kind of opposite of Gideon. You know, we've been talking about Gideon a lot for the last several weeks. The angel Lord came to Gideon, and Gideon's like, you picked the wrong guy. But Nehemiah had this confidence, but it didn't mean that the work was easy. But he was committed to it. He wasn't going to be distracted. And, and, and although it's incredibly important to stay in faith and in confidence when you meet opposition and distractions, it can be incredibly difficult. And oftentimes when you're walking by faith and when you're serving the Lord, trying to make your home an altar, when you're going God's way, when you're doing His way of doing things, when you're doing right, oftentimes you will meet opposition and you will certainly meet distraction. And I'm telling you this so that we can be aware. If you're not aware then it's easily to get sidetracked. It's easily to be drawn into the temptation. Oh, that's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong or evil about that. You're right. There's nothing in and of itself evil about this thing that this is distracting you other than it's keeping you from your eternal kingdom purpose. Let's skip over to chapter four. Verse one. Now it came about that when Sanballat heard the news that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and he said, even what are they building? If a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Hear, O God, this is Nehemiah. Hear, O God, how we are despised. Return their reproach on their heads and give them up for plunder in a land of captivity. And he goes on to say some other things in verse 5 that are pretty harsh. And the ne- So Nehemiah is praying to God. And he's not happy. And he says, God, Samballot and Tobiah, they've done these wicked things and they're demoralizing the people. These people that are trying to do your work, your eternal kingdom work, they're trying to build the walls of Jerusalem. And these, these guys are opposing them and distracting them and demoralizing them. This is why for 72 years, they've been trying, been working at this and they can't get it done. It wasn't because they couldn't do it physically. But it was because they were demoralized. It was because they were emotionally distressed. It was because they were distracted. The enemy distracted them. Verse 6. So we built the wall. And the whole wall was joined together to half its height. So it's not full yet, but we are getting it together, and it's half its height. I say half like it's here. Half is probably like eight feet. I don't know. For the people had a mind to work. Verse 7. Now when Samballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. Why? Because the enemy wanted to come in and have their way with the Israelites. And they knew that if the walls got built, if the eternal kingdom work was finished, then they, it, would, it would take away their plan. Their plan was to, what did Jesus say? Kill, steal, and destroy. That was their plan. And the enemy has the same plan for you today. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He has the same plan for your family. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy from your family. And he wants to do that from the church. We have to be about our kingdom work, our eternal kingdom work, not be distracted. There's a work that God has for us to do. It's time to not listen to the outside voices. It's not time to be distracted by comfort. It's not time to be distracted by recreation and entertainment. It's not time to be distracted by this hard, difficult work over here that says, oh, I need your attention. Come over here. Come fix me. Come give me your your energy. And you're like, wait a second. Um, Yeah, that might need to be attended to, but not... Not at the sake of the eternal things that God has called me to. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and and to cause a disturbance in it. So even these enemies begin to ally together to just cause a disturbance. The wall's halfway built. It's halfway built. Let's just, I, we might not be able to get it torn down, but if we can stop them from building this, at this part, at this further. You know, it's like, there's some things you get to a, a place in your life in, the, in the, this work that God's called you to, and it's starting to take form, and it's starting to look like, oh, this is something here that God's called me to do. But then the enemy, his job still wants to distract you, not so that necessarily the whole thing will crumble, but so that just you'll stop and you'll be satisfied with where you are. You'll be satisfied with a half-built work that God's called you to. So Sam Ballot and Tobiah said, what we've been doing isn't working. Let's try something else. So their strategy changed from opposing them publicly to creating a conspiracy within so that the people would fight each other. Man, do we not see this in our families? Do we not see this in the church today? The enemy is just like, hey, I'll just be sneakier. Instead of bringing my opposition and distraction in ways that are so obvious, we'll just stir up dissension among the family, among the church. They tried to destroy them. By getting them to argue and have discord with one another. Let me ask you this question. What does distraction do to us? It divides us. Distraction leads to division. Here's what the enemy does. Whispers in your ear. You know what she was thinking about you? She doesn't respect you. And then the enemy gets in her ear. You know what? He thinks about you. He doesn't love you. The enemy's goal is to get us to divide. And he's trying to get us to turn against each other. But Nehemiah said this very smartly. Verse 9, he said, But we prayed to our God once again. What is the answer? What's the first thing we do? Pray. And because of them, we set up a guard against them day and night. So we've, we're praying, but now we're actually doing things. We, we're actually not being passive and just closing our eyes and hoping the enemy will, will not you know, cause division on the, in, amongst our ranks anymore. We're not just closing our eyes and hoping the enemy will forget about us and just kind of pass on by. No, but we're actually being intentional and purposeful to set up a guard to see that we're not going to be attacked, to see that we're not going to be divided. There's some things in your life, guys. It's time to wake up, to be aware, and to be on guard. And not just hoping. praying is good, but... Prayer always comes with action. The Lord will, will reveal some things to you for you to do. And it's important that you do them to be on guard so the enemy doesn't come and distract and divide. When you, when you, have, somebody, when you have something against somebody, try to work it out. Forgive them. That can be a huge distraction. And it can be a huge division. And it's just the beginning of the battle. Okay, all right, great. I've worked it out with my spouse. I've worked it out with my friend. I've worked it out with this brother or sister at church. But now the enemy is in your ear again. He's like, you know what he really thinks about you. You know, he said he forgave you, but he didn't really. And you have to set up a guard in your heart and in your mind If we're going to finish our assignments from the Lord, if we're not going to get distracted from our eternal kingdom work, we have to guard our hearts. Time and time again, I've seen people that are positioned in their life to do a work that's like restoring the walls, rebuilding the walls, building the gates. They've got the tools to accomplish what they need to do. They've got the resources to accomplish something great, but the whole thing burns down in division. It happens in our homes. It happens in church. It happens in schools. It happens in businesses. It happens in government. People can't walk together. They can't forgive. They can't come to understanding. And you have people and families and churches and organizations that have the potential to make an impact But it all implodes from the inside out because of distraction. You know what the opposite of division is? They're like, multiplication? No, I'm not talking about math. (laughs) The The opposite of division is unity. That's what God has called your family to. That's what God has called the church to, to unity. The enemy hates unity. Why? Because when God's people are unified in vision, they can get some things done for the kingdom of God. When God's people are unified in spirit, broken people can get healed. And lost people can get saved. And God's people can take some ground away from the enemy. But if the enemy can get us to operate in a spirit of division, then we are no threat to his kingdom whatsoever. And that's why Nehemiah had to set guards up over his people day and night to protect the unity and to prevent division. Verse 10. We'll wrap it up and we'll baptize some kids and it's going to be awesome. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'll say this. uh, If you have a child that's getting baptized and they need to change and get ready for baptism, I would invite you to go ahead at this moment and be dismissed and, and get them ready for baptism. Verse 10, thus in Judah it was said, the strength of the burden bearers is falling, yet there is much rubbish. And we ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Verse 11, our enemy said, they will not know or see until we come among them, kill them, and put a stop to the work. When the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times, They will come up against us from every place where you may turn. They will come up against us from every place where you may turn. They will come up against us from every place where you may turn. I'm not going to say it ten times. but Then I stationed men in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, the exposed places, and I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. Means, hey, we are at work, but we are also at war. Both things. We're at work and we're at war. And when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. And this is what Nehemiah said to the people, and this is what the word is to us today. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight For your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. God has called us this year to make our homes an altar. It does not come by just going, I wanna make my home an altar. It comes by fighting for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. It's a fight, it's a fight for the altar. This is what we talked about with Gideon. And, and here in the story, it's not just about a wall anymore. It, th- this is personal. It's about your family. Yeah. Nehemiah said, when you lay bricks, you're fighting for your family. When, when you go and you start building the gate, and when you put up the gate, you're going to war for your family. So when you lay bricks, do it in the name of your family when you add add a section of the wall, do it in the name of your children. Nehemiah was trying to get them to tie their physical work to their spiritual inheritance. And there are things that God has called us to, even here in the physical realm, but they are tied to eternal kingdom work. And they are, this is what I prayed this morning over our nation. i I said, God, thank you for the pilgrims who went before us, and because of their conviction and their perseverance, we're here today. And God, may the generations after us thank God for us for our conviction and our perseverance. Nehemiah is trying to do this, and he's like, You're not building a wall, you're extending a legacy. And when they finally got this figured out and they've tied out, they've tied together the finishing of this wall to the restoration of their families, they were able to do, they were able to build the wall in 52 days. Something that they could not have accomplished in 72 years. They did it in 52 days. Why? Because they were not distracted, because they realized they were at work and at war, because they were doing it connecting what they were doing to their spiritual inheritance and their, and their legacy. And God did something awesome through these people. They realized it was all tied to restoration and protection and their legacy. If we go on to read through chapters 5 and 6, we see the climax of the walls being built and we we also see that Sam Ballot comes back to accuse Nehemiah, and Nehemiah responds and says, "Hey, I realize they were just trying to make me afraid, so that the work would stop." And this is what he says in verse twelve in Nehemiah six twelve. Nehemiah says, "I realize that they were just trying to make me afraid, so that I would stop, and that if I had stopped, that would have been sin against God." Some of the distractions, guys, the distractions themselves are not sinful. But the act of choosing the distraction over what God has called you to, that is sin. Nehemiah is saying, getting distracted from my kingdom assignment is sinning against God. And, and this is what he says to Samballa and Tobiah. I'm doing a great work for the Lord. I don't have time for you. These are words that we need to start putting in our mouths. I'm doing a great work for the Lord, making my home an altar. I don't have time for that distraction. Ain't nobody got time for that. Listen, tie what you're doing every day, your everyday work. Tie it to your kingdom assignment. From the Lord. And when you do that, you're going to find some courage and some confidence. It doesn't mean it'll always be easy, but you'll find some courage and some confidence when you realize what I'm doing is tied to the eternal kingdom work that God has called me to. And oftentimes we have opportunities to do great things for God, but we don't see it because we've not realized in our mind, I'm about God's work. We think we're about our work. For those of us that have been mature in the Lord for a number of years, the question that we've got to ask, because it's so easy to get distracted, it's so easy to just kind of go off and do our own thing. The question is Am I engaged still in my God assignment with vigor and zeal? Vigor and zeal seem to be the young man's game. (laughs) And older people who have been doing this for a while we're like we know how to pace ourselves now <laughs> but there's there is something in our hearts in our spirits Do, does my spirit still have vigor does my spirit have zeal still for the house of the lord for the eternal kingdom work that he's called me to to making my home an altar to making this church an altar A place where the presence of God can come and dwell and have his way. Am I going after the things still that God told me to do? Not just living a quiet, peaceful Christian life. Yes, the New Testament speaks to that. There's there's some validity to that. But when it comes to the eternal kingdom work that God has called us to, we cannot be distracted and be satisfied with a half-built wall. Nehemiah said, I saw that Tobiah was trying to get me to stop the work, so so I'd sin against God and not finish my assignment. So sin is also when God tells you to do something and you don't finish it. The point for us to focus on here is, do you have a God assignment and are you walking in it? Some of you might go, well, no, I don't really know. I'm not really sure. Okay, that's okay to admit that. So if you don't, then I would suggest submit to someone else's until you get your own. Nehemiah's assignment was to build the wall. And he rallied all the people of Israel to help him do it. And you might be sitting around going, well, I don't know what my God assignment is. That's fine. Join someone else that knows what they're doing. Put your hand to something. Help start building something. And then you just might find God speaking to you and giving you something to do. Wake up every morning and, and say to the voices of Sam Ballett and Tobiah, Hey, I can't talk to you today. I'm busy working for God. Let's not get distracted. Let's stay focused on our eternal kingdom work. Let's pick and choose our battles a little better. Let's decide what's real, like the hills that are really worth dying on. Because I'm telling you what, guys, we're dying on a lot of hills that really just don't don't matter. They don't amount to a hill of beans. And we're dying on those hills. Let's decide what we're, we're giving our attention and our energy to instead of every little opposition, instead of every little distraction. As the apostle Paul instructed the church in Galatia, he says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, do not get tired. Do not grow weary of doing what is right, uh, because in due season, at the just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. Yeah. Yeah. Won't you stand to your feet with me? Heavenly Father, I just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, encourage us, fill us with courage, fill us with vigor and zeal in our hearts. God, I I pray for those of us in the room that we've been about building an eternal kingdom work, but for some reason or another, whether we hit opposition or distraction and we've stopped what we're doing, God, forgive us and help us get back on track we want to be obedient. We want to be about your work. We want to be about a spiritual inheritance and legacy that will, will, will remain. Help us, God, to, to have the same kind of words that, that Nehemiah said. God, help me say, ah, I can't talk to you guys right now. You're not as important as what God's called me to. I can't afford to get distracted by your nonsense. God, give us that same kind of resolve, every single one of us. And Lord, I pray for those of us in the room that we're just, we might be clueless. We might be like, I just don't even know what God's called me to do or what this looks like about what is my physical work. God, I pray that you would first call us remind us to come to our knees and to be the place of prayer to come and meet with you in an in intimate place of prayer, that we can come and, and talk to you, but, God, that we can stop and be quiet and listen to what your voice has to say to us and God, if you're saying to us, go and join the work of, of Nehemiah and go over there and help this person build the wall, God, then we'll do it. But the God, if you give us an assignment, God, we want to be obedient to that. But Lord, I just pray for every single one of us in this room, no matter where we are in, in this journey of, of, of the eternal kingdom work that you've called us to. Lord, help us by the power of your Spirit, not even in the midst of our weakness, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the strength to walk in obedience, to be in courage to have resolve in our hearts to not grow weary in doing what is good because we know that your word says that if we do not give up there will be a great harvest of blessing so we receive it now we proclaim it now we come into agreement now with that truth we say jesus you get all the glory and all the honor and all the all the accolades you are the worthy lamb and we do all of this at your pleasure because you are king and then the people of god said amen amen Amen.